Shio Shio, hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Native Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we are rolling into November, and you know what that means. It's Native American Heritage Month, um, but also, remember, you can celebrate Native American heritage any day of the year, 24-7, 365, um, but we're especially proud to share with you um, this month, especially this month of uh, being grateful and um, giving thanks, you may say. I'm going to steal Dr. Elise Ali Joseph's term of indigenous feast now in place of Thanksgiving. Encourage you to do the same and think about how you can ind- indigenize your own Thanksgiving. But today we're here to talk with Dr. Nicole Bean, a member of the Muscogee Creek Nation, and just an all-around all-star who has um, really made waves in the athletic administration world um, from being an athlete herself to a, an administrator, a coach, um, and now a vice president at Bacone College, um, bringing it all full circle. So enjoy this conversation with her. Remember to think about all the Native people in your life and how you can celebrate them um, this month and every month. Enjoy. All right. So I'm here with uh, Dr. Nicole Bean, and I am so excited because uh, we were connected through Brent's uh, Indian Sports, the also the, the Rolodex of Indian country, and especially with Indian Sports. And so I, especially to find another female in higher ed uh, was super exciting for me. But I want to go back and start. I want to I want to learn about uh, Dr. Bean before the doctor, before you know, before the the higher ed, before all that. Where where did you grow up, and what what was uh, your experience like with your with your family growing up, playing sports, all that good stuff? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, it's an exciting time to be here as well, and so I'm very thankful that our um, paths have crossed. Um, and like I always tell anybody that on the phone with you or I in a meeting, like we automatically became best friends just because of so many of the, the things that we had that were in common in our interests. And so I'm super thankful to Brent. And then I'm again, thankful for, uh, to the creator for us um, being able to become acquainted with one another. And so um, a little bit about myself. I grew up in Okima, Oklahoma, which now I get to say I grew up on the res. Um, so Muscogee Creek Nation is my tribe. I grew up in Creek, Creek Housing, so I kind of grew up on the res before the res became official this year. And so um, I grew up there with my mother um, and one younger sister. Um, and so went to Kima Public Schools, played basketball there. Um, it's not about my junior year, but I actually, most people don't know, but I actually graduated from Shelter, Oklahoma, which is even a smaller community um, between Okima and um, Okmulgee, which is where our tribal um, our tribe is actually located. Okay. So yeah, that's a little bit about myself. Um, went to Bacon College on a basketball. Go ahead. Yeah. Now, what what position did you play? So, first of all, I'm five nine um, on a roster, um, and I'll argue that. Um, I actually in high school I usually played under the post, um, and I actually played six on six. I don't know if that's probably before your time. Do you remember when? Uh, oh, no, that's awesome. I'm telling my age right now. <laughs> Just for clarity, I only played one year of it when we started yeah. playing a nice ball. And so I actually began playing six on six. And so I was a, um, on the defensive side. So I didn't even shoot a ball um, until I was in sixth grade. Wow. Um, so I played in the post because, of course, I was one of the taller players. And so I played in the post area um, and really played four, five, and a three until college. And then in college became a guard. Yeah. When did you, did you always know you wanted to go to college? How did that? Um, So again, I grew up with my mom and uh, my sister um, and I met my dad when I was five. And so my dad actually played college ball and went to college. And so of course, anytime I was with him, um, we were at a court somewhere playing, um, watching him play um, that nature. And so I think um, my love for ball definitely probably came from him. Um, I don't think at that time I really even realized he was in college. You know, that's just my dad and we're going to go play ball. So I think more so my passion for education in college probably came from my grandparents. 
um, my grandfather um, had an eighth grade education. Um, my, I recently lost my grandmother and we were having a conversation of whether or not she graduated high school. She has a class ring. She has um, some different items where she played basketball as well. And so I recently found out that her, I found that she actually received her GED. And so um, they were always entrepreneurs, really big in the community, um, owned their own construction company since the day I was born and always really pushed education. You know, I can remember always being excited to take them my grades because I knew they were going to give me some type of praise, both verbally, but also monetary. And so for me, education um, really came from those two. And then the love for sports really came from my dad. So, um, so I guess college was like that thing that you were supposed to do. That was like the next step. Um, and so I received a basketball scholarship from Baycomb College, which is in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Um, it is uh, originally founded to serve Native American students. Um, and I think at the time, I don't know if you were if you were ever like this, like that was cool, but I don't think I really realized the significance of kind of what that meant for me um, as a young Native woman. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was it like then going to Baycomb? Like where, how close were you to, to home? Was it? So from home, I was about an hour and 15 minutes. And from my dad, I was about 30 minutes. Yeah. So uh, Baycomb was a really good experience. Um, a lot of people may not know this, but Baycomb, um, the land that Baycomb sits on is actually Muscogee Creek Nation um, land. It was actually given to um, the Baptist church um, to serve Native Americans back in 1880. And so again, at that time, not realizing the significance that I was still on my people's land and my birthright of being here, um, kind of wasn't known. And so it's really interesting now, um, of course, my current position um, as vice president is at Baycomb College. And so it's like I've come home um, at this later age to give back to the place where I started. And so it's really been a great experience to just come back home um, and be able to give to my students and be able to give to my local community and be able to give back um, to my tribe and other tribes um, that are located in this area. Yeah, that's so amazing. You're going to really come, come full circle. I know it's, it's really crazy just, you know, the people that you run into and the connections that you realize that we all have, not only to, you know, each other, but just to the land in general. Yeah. And so it's, it's really been an exciting time. Um, from Bacon, I, I left there. Um, Bacon was actually a two-year, so it was a junior college then. Um, and now we're a four-year at NAI and have been so since 2001. I mean, so I had the option to come and play another two years, but at that time I was more focused on academics and we had one bachelor program. And so I felt like um, it was the right time for me to go ahead and leave. And so I finished up my bachelor's degree um, at Oklahoma State University um, here in Oklahoma again. Um, there I was still highly involved in sports. So I was uh, majoring in athletic training, um, mm -hmm. but also working as a facility and event coordinator for men and women's basketball and football. And so we actually helped launch um, ESPNU. And so one of the first game days for ESPNU was actually at our facilities. And so uh, being able to be involved in that was exciting and to see all the um, behind the scenes work. And so I think that's really where my love for probably sports administration and the organizational part of it kind of began to come into play for me was being able to be involved in those, those different areas. So, yeah. Did you go down the trainer path? I did not. Yeah. Um, after a couple of, um, incidents where football players uh, throw the water bottle at your feet yeah you know um, for me I was just like yeah this isn't really what I want I don't think this is the line of work that I want to do I had some really great experiences though um, working there and met a lot of great people um, but for me I was just like yeah I'm not really that passionate about this it's interesting but I really like the administration side of it as well um, and being able to plan events and see people come together and just enjoy that aspect of it. And then I also coached in undergrad. So I started my coaching career at Stillwater High School. Um, I believe I was a junior then. So I was going to school, doing facilities, and then also coaching after I had kind of pulled away from athletic training. Yeah, as a, as a female coach and coaching to, you know, not, not being very old, much older than, than the girls you're coaching, what was that like? <laughs> So I think you always have that challenge when I'm in, I'm in college and they're younger than me. Um, and so you have to really make sure that you set those boundaries. Um, and the same thing happened once I graduated from Oklahoma State and I went to Baylor, I was a graduate assistant coach. And so I think coaching high school really uh, let me, um, allowed me to see where the boundaries need to be set. Because again, those girls do wanna be your friend and you are relatively close. 
and you could go to an event and see them there, you know, especially like some of my seniors will, you know, and they'll be at football games, they'll be at basketball games, um, if we're doing something with homecoming. So it's easy for you to run into even the same crowds, um, because again, a lot of, you know, freshmen and stuff could possibly be their friends from high school because there's that, that age gap, you know, that, that small age gap there, um, or whether there's not one. Um, and so again, I think you just have to set those boundaries. Um, I usually come in pretty stern and set my boundaries and then kind of become lax in areas where I see um, that people can understand that there's a business side. And then there's also the side that just genuinely cares about you, but we can't cross those. And I still have to perform my job as a coach, <clears throat> no matter what, and you still have to perform as a player. And so I think it's helped me um, in my current role. Um, <clears throat> and then also when I was serving as our interim athletic director, we have a lot of very young coaches uh, we have uh, one coach, I think he's 24, 25, um, you know, and he has the coaching experience. He has the expertise to be a great coach, but just ensuring as a leader and as a mentor um, that you're reiterating the importance of, you know, how do we maneuver in these certain situations? And so I think that's a great question that um, my younger self probably didn't take into consideration. I'm just here to coach and yeah, here we are. So that's a good question. Yeah. So you're coaching, you're, you know, you're, you're doing, you're in school. So did you, then did you start doing your master's right away? How did that? Um, I took a semester off. So I was coaching at the high school my junior year. My senior year, um, I started coaching at the junior high as a head coach um, under the same um, high school coach, only because my schedule no longer allowed me to make high school practices. And so I started coaching at the junior high. Um, I graduated, I was a December grad, um, and so I went ahead and stayed and took a semester off to finish up the coaching season, and then also I still had my job in facilitating um, events at uh, Oklahoma State. So I took a semester off, and then I went to Baylor University in the fall um, to begin my master's program. So I took a semester off um, and then went to Baylor University, um, and so did sports management there, um, worked with women's basketball under Coach uh, Kim Mulkey. They were coming off their first national championship, um, and so it was an amazing experience. Um, I was blessed to get the position. I'm really big about networking and um, volunteering your time and making sure that you're meeting the right people. And so luckily, I hosted all of our visiting teams at Oklahoma State, and so I already had a connection with the Baylor coaching staff. And so their director of ops was who was my contact person at Oklahoma State. And so for about two years, him and I would interact, you know, when they traveled to us, uh, when we went down there sometimes. And I always hosted them here. And so when I got to campus, they had already filled their graduate, um, graduate assistant spot. And so I just reached out to them. I let them know I was at campus. You know, do you care if I come by and speak to you? Um, visit with you a little bit about what's going on and what you have up, maybe volunteer my time. And so I volunteered for a week. And then at the end of that week, um, they offered me a graduate assistant position um, and created me a position. And so I was with them for the, the duration of my time at, at Baylor. Um, oh Perfect example. You have to make your opportunities. Yes. You always, you know, don't, for me, I've never been afraid to volunteer. You know, yeah. it's not ever been about the monetary. It's okay. How can I contribute? How can I get better? How can I meet the people that's going to help me get better? And what can I learn from the situation? So I've had so many volunteer opportunities that have led to other things because I'm not afraid to give of myself um, to learn different things and meet new people and, and enjoy experiences. Yeah. Yeah, that's so great. So do you have a favorite like Baylor memory? <laughs> um, I probably do. Um, man, um, there's so many of them. What you see with Coach Mulkey is literally what you get. You know, like what you see, her passion, um, the joking side of her, like that's who she is. Probably some of my, my fondest memories um, is probably in preseason where she's a little bit more laid back. And so you really get to see that side of her that's, that's joking and funny. And so we're going in to have coaches meeting at halftime before we go in and visit with the girl. And she's always singing some random song. Uh, one of them was like Mary Poppins. And so being able, right. And so being, and she's, she's a little more um, animated now. Like if you've ever watched any of her um, press conferences and stuff, she may come in singing some country song or something. And so for me, I had always interacted with her from a coaching standpoint. And just how passionate she is on the floor and the stomping of the foot and the hip and the hands on the hips is what I what I what I saw often. And so for me, you know, still being really young and being able to interact with her and just seeing her enjoying what she's doing and singing songs, for me, that's probably one of my favorite memories that I always talk about. Um, of course, you have the successes and just being in an atmosphere with some amazing players. I think we had three players that year that went on to play in the WNBA, um, including Sophia Young. 
Um, and so just getting to see um, and learn from like such a great leader um, and just how passionate she is about the people that she coaches, her family, um, for me has been a blessing um, and something that I, that I always cherish. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't work directly with, with Coach Summit, but like just being there when she was at Tennessee and like seeing her, how she had just such a huge respect, like having women in those kind of positions and those powerful positions is just so, so important and so like impactful. Like it's, it's, it's a game changer for, for, for not only women, but men too, to see that. I can see that like, hey, these women can coach and lead and just you know it doesn't doesn't matter you know their their gender that's that's so awesome and especially when you're kind of younger and more impressionable you know like to see that and how that kind of shows you like like hey I limits the sky's the limit with that so that's awesome and I think for me I've, I've you know looking back I've realized that over the years I've been very fortunate to I mean probably 90 percent of my roles um be under a woman and a strong woman um, at that, you know, even at the high school level, I was coaching with uh, Rhonda Fields, who in Oklahoma is a well-known name and a Hall of Famer. And so um, most of my experiences coaching or being in some type of position has been underneath um, a woman leader. And so for me, I've, I've realized that, you know, and I'm aware that it's really shaped who I am as a leader and, you know, how strong I am and how confident I am and and continuing to create my voice by looking at those women that I've come under that weren't scared and weren't afraid to be that woman and to, to be strong and to be powerful. And so, um, you know, for each of the people that I, you know, that I found myself under, I'm very thankful for each of those, those women that have helped to shape me. Well, and then I just, you know, I think of, you know, our, our societies too, as native folks, you know, the matriarchal society and the fact that we, we place so much value in our women and um, how that, have just it's, it's it's so great when you can have that both like traditionally and culturally but also mm-hmm. in your in your career too as you are rising up so that's that's really great so Baylor are you ready to like what what was your thoughts then like were you thinking like athletic director or like how were, were was that the goal so yeah my goal leaving there was definitely an athletic director or a director of operations position I mean, PhD was pretty much one of those things. I'm like, I'm definitely going to go get one of those someday. And so I think those are probably my three main goals, PhD in sports management, um, either athletic director or director of operations. Again, I love the X's and O's of basketball, but I'm more of a planner. So I want to make sure we get there. I want to make sure we look good getting there. I want to make sure everybody's taken care of and safe. And I'm more of like that mother that wants to make sure everybody's good and that um, we're, we're all on the same track. And so leaving there, yeah, that was the plan. Um, my next stop was uh, with the NBA. And so I did community and government relations for the Orlando Magic. And so pretty much any of the NBA um, players' appearances for our team, we kind of um, oversaw in my department. So autograph sessions, reading to um, elementary schools, hospital visits. Um, We did a lot of special events with like our galas and stuff of that nature. And then I oversaw um, our ticket programs. And so each of our players um, always purchased tickets to give back to various organizations. And so I oversaw those ticket programs and ensuring um, those individuals from those organizations that were coming that night um, kind of got that um, VIP experience. We would bring them to the courts, interact with their um, players, and then ensure that they got back to their seats and kind of had a good night, a good time. And so um, was there for a season um, and then left and went back into coaching. Um, did some time at Laternal University in East Texas a private um, division three institution. So did sports information there um, as well as assistant basketball coach. Uh, Returned home um, and was at Seminole State University. Um, I think if you remember um, Coach Rita Story Shell that was in our women's, um, yeah. Yeah, so she was my supervisor there. So I coached under her and taught about five different classes there. went into recreation, parks and recreation for about a year, and then went to Langston University, uh, which is an HBCU in Langston, Oklahoma, um, for I think seven years, um, serving as an assistant professor in their health, physical education, and recreation department, and then also as their NAIA faculty athletic rep. Yeah. So um, really had a great time there. Um, I think like you, teaching is probably my passion. Yeah the interactions that you get to have with students and how you can shape their lives, not only from an educational standpoint, but just personally. Um, Seeing the light go off for them, seeing them get it. um, 
realizing their potential and seeing them overcome insecurities and stuff that they have academically um, is probably my biggest reward. Like anytime one of my students graduated or was applying to grad school or PT school, like I, I, I get emotional thinking about it, just the um, growth that you get to see in those. And so I know that that's something that you really like about your position. So, um, oh yeah, so exciting when like one of your students gets a job or gets something yeah. like, to grad school. It's like, it feels like a, it's like you get to win and you get to like, and it's like, you know, it's just such a great, great feeling. And so definitely loved it. Um, had a ball. Um, our football team was back-to-back um, conference champions, and so I got my first um, championship rings while we were there. Um, sort of traveled a lot with softball and volleyball. Um, was able to take my nephew, who at, who is now nine, but at the time was four and five, six. And so just allowing him to experience that and to be around a team and to be on a bus and to kind of see him develop a love for sports as well. Um, and build those relationships with players and coaches and, you know, be on the sideline for football games um, is something that, you know, I really enjoyed um, being at Langston. So it was a very rewarding job. And again, for me, it's really about shaping the next generation and and being that person that I didn't have when I was that age. Um, and so um, for me, that that's really big um, where I'm currently at as well. Yeah. Um, and then came on over to Baycomb College, again, my um, alma mater, um, to serve as vice president of strategic initiatives and special projects. And so underneath that, anytime you uh, hear special projects, you know, that's just like, hey, whatever we need you to do, whenever we need you to do it. And so here, my main responsibility is moving us to a, a tribal college. Mm. So I work with the American Indian Higher Education Consortium and then also the Bureau of Indian Affairs. I'm just going through the application processes as well as all of my colleagues that help to get us um, in compliance um, in order to meet the guidelines to become a tribal, um, tribal um, college. And so that's my, my main job. Um, I also serve as a cultural liaison or a tribal liaison rather. Um, so we have five chartering tribes here. We have the uh, United Katua Band, uh, Cherokee Indians. Um, we have the Kiowa tribe. Osage Nation, Cheyenne Arapaho, and then the Oto Missouri tribes. And so uh, within there, we go out and we meet with their um, higher education departments, um, chiefs and chairmen, in order to provide distance learning to their citizens and their employees. And so I work with each of those um, tribal entities to set up um, those learning opportunities. Most of those are all going to be online. Uh, we try to customize them um, to each of the tribes. And so, for instance, if I'm working with Osage and we're going to do a tribal leadership class, I'll look to see if there's someone that I can get in as an adjunct that can specialize that tribal leadership class to align with what the Osage Nation is doing. So then that way I am trying to educate the specific group of people to serve their nation um, and kind of give them a, a head start. We also try to in, uh, incorporate language courses so we know how important language is for um, our tribal people. And so again, working with their language department or fluent speakers um, to ensure again, we're customizing those education, um, those programs uh, within those tribes. And so those are kind of my main two jobs within there. Um, up until probably this week, I oversaw athletics as well. Um, and so working with our coaches to um, implement um, certain things to help us to be more efficient in how we operate, whether it's creating budgets for each department or for each sports, um, working with them to try to build an alumni base um, so that we can garner support there as well. Um, again, as I mentioned, I did serve as our interim athletic director maybe for about four or five months as well as while we were looking for a, for a new one. Um, again, I think that's when you and I met during our uh, Women in Sports series. Yeah. Um, we did um, a game last year between Bacon and Haskell. It was called Battle at the Dome, and so we did it on the Muskogee Creek Nation um, land. Uh, they have a dome there. And so it was a really big deal. We um, partnered with N7 on our t-shirts and so was able to provide a free youth clinic. I think we had 80 participants. Um, and so just, just stuff like that. Athletics is my passion as well. And so I'm happy that at the last two institutions that I've served, I've been able to find that happy balance between academics and providing those educational opportunities, um, particularly to minorities, and then also serving in the realm of athletics um, from an administrative standpoint. So, yeah. That's kind of me. Um, I do a lot of work with the Big 12 when it's women's basketball season as well or championship season. So for the last 10 years, 
I've served in the um, game ops um, operations area for Big 12, uh, the Big 12 Conference Women's Basketball Championships. Um, within there, we've done a couple of different NCAA regionals. We did the final women's final four in Dallas, um, I think three years ago. It was when UConn got upset uh, by Mississippi State. Um, yeah. so we've had some really great experience. For that yeah, and so um, have worked with them, and we'll hopefully we'll continue to be able to do that work. Um, well, two years ago, we also did a Native American Heritage Day with them. Um, mm -hmm. We were able to provide a free youth clinic that I, I was the director over. Um, I believe we had 120 participants for that. And about 80% of my um, coaching staff was Native Americans as well. And so really trying to push for that. So outside of education and athletics, that pretty much sums up who I am and what I do and um, those items. Um, I do have a nonprofit foundation. It's called the Bean Foundation. So it stands for Building, Educating, and Elevating Neighborhoods. Uh, we focus on athletics, um, social aspects, and then also education. And so we've been running since, I think, 2006. Wow. So we have a couple of different grants that help with college scholarships, college scholarship college admission, and then we do some athletic grants as well. Um, and then, of course, we've been around long enough, so we get calls for anything from band to gymnastics to clothing. Uh, and then, of course, during the holidays, we always do some type of um, food baskets as well. So That's amazing. <laughs> How do you do it all? Um, probably like you, I'm always doing something. Yeah. You know, it's, I like doing it. I think, I'm, you know, the things that I do, I enjoy doing. And so they don't seem like work. Um, I'm really big about the community and, you know, again, what is it going to look like for the next generation and how can I give back and make my community um, better? Um, and so that, that's kind of, if I can keep doing that in any position that I am, I'll probably be, I'll probably be happy for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so awesome. And so I'm curious, just thinking back to your experiences, where, was there a, kind of a culture shock from going to like, you know, Baylor and then going to a professional sport and then going then back to HBCU. What was the, what was that, what was that like? So it definitely was, I think going to Baylor after a national championship and you're still reaping all of those benefits. Really, I probably think prepared me to go to the NBA. Um, at Baylor, there was a lot, you know, we flew everywhere. There was a lot of chartered flights. Um, and so I think even there, there was probably more of a culture shock going from there to the NBA. You know, the mm -hmm. NBA, I worked in an office. There wasn't a whole lot of travel that was involved. I wasn't at practice. Um, I didn't have to deal a whole lot with the media. Um, with Baylor, you know, we could be on ESPN twice a week. And so it's just funny because being there, you're going to get phone calls like, oh, my gosh, I see, you know, you are on ESPN, you know. And then at the Magic, it's a little bit different. Um, and so I think being at Baylor definitely prepared me to be um, at the Magic um, and to kind of get involved in all of those things um, that we were going to do there and to be able to work with um, a professional athlete. Again, when you're working with Coach Malkin, you know, she's an Olympian. Um, and so there's a certain um, kind of a certain vibe that you get by being around. And so I think it definitely prepared me. Um, going from the NBA back to um, uh, athletics at the um, collegiate level was a little different, especially going from a Division One to the to the Magic to the NBA, and then coming back to Division Three, where you actually have no scholarships, and right. you're going to be lucky if this bus works today. Yes, definitely an adjustment. Um, I think probably the hardest thing that makes the adjust you know to, that makes the adjustment worse, I guess, or the hardest thing to adjust to is the people that are expecting you to be the next greatest thing. And I don't know if you've experienced that yet, but it seems like the people are like, so are you doing this? Well, you came from the NBA, like, why are you here? Well, shouldn't you be doing this? And I have to really understand that these experiences that I've got to do um, only made me better at the position that I was currently holding. And so my question to them would always be, well, why shouldn't you be here? And yeah. they can never give me an answer. And so... Um, I think instead of always looking for the next best thing, it was like, you know, I have acquired a certain skill set that can make my current institution better than what they were before I got here, whether that's a connection that I have for my students through media internship, 
whether that's a person that I've met that can come in and do professional development or whether that's a mentor that continue to help me grow as a person and also professionally that's going to make me better serve my institution. And so I think for me, that was probably the hardest thing that I, that question is the hardest thing that I had to, to be able to, to address. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's such a good response though. It's like, well, why wouldn't I be like, why I kind of like, why are you here? You know, um, that's, that's so great. I love it. It's, I'm keeping that one for sure. Um, was, and then, okay. So this is just personal, honestly, for me, what do you do when students are like, can you get me an internship? Like what, like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Cause I'm dealing with that a lot. And I'm, I, I struggle because I find that they, they're like, well, I want to work at Nike. And I'm like, well, you, do you know what you want to do at Nike? Like, how do you, how do you approach that? So um, one, I was over interned at, so I probably am cheating a little bit. I was over our internship program at, at Langston University. And so placing um, students is something that I have a little bit of experience in. Um, yeah. But I do get that question here as well. And for me, it's always like, I want to know why. Why do you want to work at Nike? What do you plan to do? You know, I have a lot of students that just want to get an internship completed and they don't really care that it's going to align. So for me, I always make them say, well, why do you want to do it? What are your, you know, what are your goals? What do you plan to do with it? And how does this internship help you meet your goals? And so if you really stop them for a little bit, because they see all the glory. Oh, it's Nike. You know, they don't see the hard work that goes into it. They don't see, you know, the nights that you stayed up doing research. They don't see all that hard work. They just see the glory of it all. Or on the, on the other hand, they just want to do something easy so they can graduate. And so really making them think through, like, you know, one, what do you want to do? And how does this align with it? And what is the thing that you're going to do at this institution to, or at this um, place of employment or this internship um, placement site? How are you going to make them better? What are you bringing to the table as well? So I would just suggest making them think about those things, which it sounds like if you're already doing, okay, well, what are you going to do at night? And why do you want to work at night? And how does working at night be aligned with what you're telling me your goals are? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So um, I don't think any, uh, any other good good store? Well, I also, when when were you in Orlando? Two thousand five, two thousand six. Oh darn it! Two thousand six, two thousand seven. I was there Dwight Howard's rookie year. Oh wow! Yeah, I just I just missed you. I was there kind of when he was MVP, like all during during grad school, and it was wild too, like how much that city just like adored him, and then. Course, when I ended up leaving, it was just so wild. Yeah. It's more, so much more common now, like people leaving, but back then it was like pretty, was pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. I was there when they were, we were preparing to build uh, the new stadium. So a lot of my um, work was also meeting with people and trying to, and helping to push that agenda to, to get that new stadium built. So, yeah. Yeah. You there, would you have been there the year following them when the stadium was actually being built? Yeah, we actually, we actually, our, our, our graduating class got to be like the, the first one on the floor. Like we, we would always do like a, on the floor night for our graduating class. So our first one, our class actually got to be the first one with the new floor. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah. That's so, a really great program there too. So yeah. I'm glad you went through that program. I'm yeah. That That's a really great program. Yeah, I it's like one of, one of the best decisions I ever made. Because it's again, the network and the family. And like you said, like, the networking piece is so under, I mean, we, I think it's over, overused, but not networking, but like actually relationship building, you know, because networking, I think people just think of, you know, it's just like, oh, let's just exchange business cards and like, you know, very superficial, but yes. you have to really like create relationships. And like you said, you have to kind of sometimes prove yourself and like show like, hey, I'm willing, willing to volunteer and like willing to give time and not just not just looking for a handout or, or a job or something like that. So, so yeah, what do you, what do you see with um, students now, like with this past year with COVID, like what are, what are some of the challenges you guys, you guys are facing? I think the biggest challenge is safety. Mm -hmm. So in my current position, I don't get to, I don't teach classes anymore. Um, mm -hmm. so I don't get to interact with our students as much as I would like to. Most of my interaction comes through my student athletes, um, which again, um, has kind of been limited even with COVID. And yeah. so I think our biggest concerns as an institution was just, you know, how can we make our students feel comfortable um, and how can we keep them safe as well as our faculty and our staff? And for us, we serve a um, student population that's often first generation and that being on campus may be their only housing option. 
And so we knew it was important for us to open um, our campus um, to be able to meet that specific or that unique need of our students. And so for us, we, we've tried to implement some things um, to allow them some freedom, but also to ensure that they're safe. Um, so some of the things like our campus has a curfew. And so again, um, that's to, you know, to make sure that they get back at a reasonable hour. They're just not out doing whatever. Um, we also don't allow visitors. Mm-hmm. Um, masks are required. Um, we try to, um, for class periods, they have the option to attend in a classroom with a limited number or they can attend online. And so if Monday you go to class and you're just not really comfortable because you, you feel like there's too many people in there for you, even though we've, we've implemented limitations on class sizes and, and spacing, then on Wednesday with that, at that class time, you can get online and take the course. And so our instructors are putting everything online and doing everything on Zoom. Um, for athletics, um, the NAI um, request that we um, test, I believe it's seven days before the first game. And then, of course, there we're trying to be mindful, um, doing daily screening, you know, have you, do you feel bad? Have you had a fever? You know, those things before practices occur. Uh, we have policy in place that if someone does test positive, um, what do we do with that person? How do we properly quarantine them to ensure the safety of the rest of the campus? So I think the biggest adjustment that I'm, I've been seeing or hearing from my students is doing things online. Yeah. Again, that transition to being online, how does that operate? Being able to communicate with instructors, um, I think is the biggest complaint. Yeah. And, and it is a challenge, you know, even for someone who has operated um, online classes, both as, a, as an instructor and then also as a student, they are sometimes hard to navigate. And when you've taken, you know, 12 to 15 hours face to face and you're, you're, you know, that's the type of learner that you are and you love to build those relationships and now everything is online. And yeah, Zoom can be interactive, but it still limits you. So I think for our students, that's been the biggest concern um, outside of just their safety. And so we've attempted to bring food trucks in. Um, after hours that way, you know, to limit how they're going off campus and give them, we've implemented different games like scavenger hunts where there's only two or three people in a group, you know, so that they can win prizes. Um, and so just trying to really keep them engaged in that manner. So they're still having that good student experience, but we're keeping them as safe as possible. Yeah, no, that's, that's so important. It's kind of the same stuff we're dealing with here. I feel like across higher ed too, it's like, how do we safety first, but then also try to try to give them a, a meaningful experience and, um, and conducive to, to learning. And um, so are, are your teams practicing? They are, we're actually practicing and um, it's, it's funny that you asked that question. I was just on a call um, with the group, uh, Business of Small School Athletics. I believe there was about 14 of us on there from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast, Indianapolis, and I believe Baycon College and one other institution were the only two schools that were participating in athletics. Wow. Other schools were either getting ready to practice, had just started practicing, but weren't even allowed athletes to practice. And so we're actually in the middle of soccer season. Um, our women's basketball team just had their first scrimmage, I believe, Tuesday. And then men and women's basketball open up on Monday, the 26th of October. And so, again, just doing those daily screens with our athletes, um, you know, temperature, asking how they feel. Um, most of our, all of our students when we come into our, so we have a small uh, student population. We're at about, I think, 330 is the last number, somewhere in that area. So very small, a little bit easier to control. We were able to close, we have two, camp, two entrances in the campus and we were able to close off one entrance. And so we can kind of patrol that and make sure people have their masks on. And so even within our buildings where our classrooms are, there's only two buildings, um, two main buildings where our classrooms take place. And so we have checkpoints there. And so when you come in that building, we take your temperature and we ask you those questions and then you get a wristband um, so that when you go into your room with your instructor, that instructor, he or she knows that you've already went through the daily scan of the door and they know you don't have a temperature and you haven't had any symptoms. And so it's kind of the same way, that's where any student that's going to class, but it's kind of the same way with athletics. We're asking those questions, we're taking the temperature. Um, and so far, um, you know, we've been pretty successful in, in one, keeping people safe and or uh, being aware that, you know, there could be a possible threat. So no major outbreaks, um, no major shutdowns, um, you know, and again, just, you know, it changes every day. Like today could be great. Everything we're doing is great. Who knows what will happen tomorrow? And so it's just every day we're having to assess the situation to ensure that, um, you know, our campus is safe. 
So yeah. are you guys, how is it being handled now? Yeah, we, we came back face to face and we were able to test all our students when they got back. And that was um, really great. I, I couldn't believe that we didn't have like, you know, out of, I think we had about 1500 students return and I was like, we'll probably have about a hundred test positive, but we had like two, like we, and since July, since we started testing in late July, we've had seven total cases, which has been amazing, I think. And we're able to, you know, quarantine people and put them in isolation when we have cases pop up, but it's been uh, honestly really surprising. <laughs> and like, I can't, I can't believe it. I think it does show the benefit of having a small, you know, small institution. Like I see, we see the bigger ones and they're just kind of just, it's outbreak after outbreak. And it's so, so little, little control. It seems like they have, but it's, it's really too, it's just been a testament to like our students, I think who have been like wearing their masks and like doing things right. And like, they want to be here. So you know, I think they're, everyone's kind of buying in. And I think that's, I think we all just were after, you know, we went home in March and we thought, we thought we were coming back in April and we were just like, how do we think we're coming back in April? And then now, you know, six months later, seven months later, however long it was, everybody was so, I think, ready to get back in some sort of normalcy. I really feel for them though, because like, we're still figuring out what we're doing in the spring and we're still, you know, especially freshmen or, you know, seniors who are like at the, those kind of ends of like, either this is their first experience or their last experience. You don't really, really don't, don't want that, but it, it is pretty, pretty wild. Like, and it's just, it's, it's crazy to see. And I'm, I'm heartbroken though, for the, the places that I've either had to cut staff or cut athletics. It's just, it's just like, man, you really, it's just, it's really hard to, hard to see that and hope that everyone can kind of and I think that's the good thing for the teams. We haven't had to have any layoffs due to COVID-19. You know, we've actually hired and been able to hire. And so I've been really thankful for that. And we continue to ensure that our faculty and staff know that like there's no, you know, that's nothing that you know we're expecting to happen. That's nothing that's being, being discussed and just reassuring them that um, you know their jobs are safe and as we move forward. So are you athletics? What's athletics doing? We, we've been practicing, but we we're waiting because we're kind of ahead of our, like you said, like not other people, our conference, we're, I think a lot of really far ahead of most schools aren't even face-to-face -face, or they're all online and they're not doing practices. So we've been practicing almost every sport and we're kind of just hanging tight for hoping for all of uh, the sports to compete in the spring, which will be crazy if it happens. But I was just like, let's, let's do it. Let's try to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that means sports in there. I that is a good question. <laughs> we'll we'll see. I it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out because um because we definitely we're D three so we're you know we're not we're not busting out the seams with with resources and so yeah it'll be interesting to see how things things shake out and um our our coaches have just been so great with like having practices and like trying to come up with fun ways like kind of insert competitions and little mini mini competitions within within uh practices and stuff like that so that's been been really cool to see and um yeah and we're I mean we're I would say I would say we're close to 50 50 like student athletes out of all of our students like we have a lot of student athletes especially the ones that are on campus because some decided hey I'll just do online school and stay home you know and not be on campus so um, that's been, been really interesting, but so, so, uh, what do you, what, what do you do when you're not in like job mode? Like, are you, do, do have you gotten into any like Netflix or like, do you have any? I haven't. So I'm normally a traveler. I love to travel. I love seeing yeah. places. I um, haven't traveled since like March. I was actually at the big 12 tournament, um, preparing um, for the women's tournament yeah. in um, yeah. when the tournament got canceled, I think we we're in the middle of a practice. And, and I was wondering about that. Yeah. We finally got the call and they were like, sitting yeah. sending practice home, cancel, like we're going. And, um, so I stayed, I one of my best friends lived there. And so I went ahead and stayed a few days uh, visiting with her because that was the plan we originally had anyway. And so, um, stayed the weekend there and then flew back from, um, Kansas city in March and have not been anywhere. Part of that, of course, was I was caring for my grandmother, and so making sure that we didn't put her at risk at all. And so um, I'm definitely missing traveling. I love to travel, um, yeah. so I'm, I'm 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 definitely missing that. Um, usually in my spare time, though, um, I watch a lot of sports. 
Yeah. So ESPN is usually on at my house somewhere. Um, yeah. Reading is another one of my big ones. Um, financial literacy, um, real estate, um, yeah. anything of that nature I'm into right now. Um, yeah. Lifelong learner. I love it. Yes. I feel like I'm always just like wanting to find a new thing to, to, to learn about. And there's just so much out there. I'm just like, it, it cracks me up. I, I asked a friend yesterday how he, how his kids are doing. He's like, oh, they're bored. I was like, I miss being bored. I'm like, don't even know what bored is. Like, that's such a abstract concept now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to, if you, if you don't mind, I would love if you, you don't mind sharing a little bit about, like, about your grandma, like if you're, how, how you're doing and, you know, if you have any story you want to share, I know she was really special. She was, and I would probably share, but I would probably start crying and prior and two. So you have to look at me and two, your listeners would be like, what in the world? Yeah. Um, I'll try to share. And if I just suddenly go silent, Um, my grandma was pretty special. Um, She uh, was very much a a mother figure for me. Um, So when I was first born, me and my mother actually lived with my grandparents for two years. And so off, you know, just from that, me and my grandmother had a very unique relationship and so there's five grandkids um and I fall in the middle um of course our younger our youngest uh, youngest grandchild he was a late he came kind of late and so me and my grandmother always had a very unique uh relationship um and bond um and so um she was 87 she turned 87 in July and so she was just pretty much um just that that woman that you never heard argue you never heard a regular voice you never see her you know, she was never, I mean, I've never seen her get angry or be mean to anyone. You know, she was just kind and loving, um, cared about her family, um, was really that safety place and that, you know, that protector um, and, and provided that, that space for us. And so like, that was, that was my girl. Yeah. Um, and so it's really been hard. You know, she um, has been sick for a while. She had congested heart failure and just her ability to kind of get around. And so um, she, of course, you know, being that age, your body starts to kind of shut down. And so um, she was definitely the pillar for our family, just, you know, strength of love, of grace, you know, mercy, um, any good word you can think of, like that was her. Um, and so I think probably some of our best memories, um, you know, is probably, her, you know, her cooking. Um, she loved playing like cards and dominoes and like never showed us any mercy. That's the only time that I didn't see any mercy from her. It's like, she's, she's going to win. Uh, yeah. You know, and again, that's probably a little bit where our competition, you know, takes place. She would come out and play basketball with us. Um, you know, on our birthday, she always made it about us. You know, she'd always take us by ourselves to eat in all of our favorite places and let us shop. You know, you know, holidays were really big. Christmas was a really big one for her. Um, and so it's definitely been a transition. You know, I took care of her for, um, I lived with her and served as her primary caregiver for the last probably four months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's definitely been a challenge for me, but just trying to remember her strength. Uh, and how much she fought just to be there with us until we were ready to, to let her go um, is probably been where I've allowed myself to kind of you know, and just realizing how strong she was, um, how smart she was. And so, as I mentioned, I found recently that you know, she had accomplished her GED versus a high school diploma, but her and my grandparents had a very successful business. And she, you know, she served in the capacity of human resources, you know, accounting, you know, finances, and really did all the paperwork and stuff while my grandfather um, did the more of the, the, the labor part of it. And so just knowing the success that her and him accomplished from that and just how smart she was and how humble she was, I think, um, has really allowed me to, to kind of just take this time to heal um, and missing her and really try to focus on how can I be that. And how, and no, and she, and, and she would want, what, think about the things she would want you to be doing. No, she wouldn't want, I want us, I mean, obviously we want to remember her, but not to be, you know, to, to dwell in, in the sadness and like, just live out her memory in, in a positive way. And I think you're a shining example of that. Like, I'm, I'm just so impressed by all that you do. And I, I look up to you so much and I, I just, I, the way you conduct yourself and the way you are just your boss, like, I love it. And I love, like, I love it. And I love seeing, um, you know, native women in the space, you know, we get pigeonholed a lot of times into like, oh, well, if you're in, in, you know, if you're native and you're higher ed, you're in like indigenous studies or you're, you know, you're, you have to be in that lane. It's like, you can't do anything else except, you know, anything related to our, our culture, but we can 
you know, can be native and we can be, we can be athletes and we can be administrators and we can do all these other things. And, you know, the, you know, and, and it's the indigenous studies folks are great and they, they paved the way for us, you know, but we can also show, show that we belong in these other spaces too. So I think that you're, you're a really shining example of that. And, um, and I want to kind of, can we go out on a positive note here? Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about kind of like kind of the stuff we're trying to do with Native American Heritage Month or just things that you're hoping to do um, in the future with the, with our Native community? Sure, no problem. I first want to thank you for your kind words because I too admire you. And so for you to say that to me really means a lot. So I appreciate those kind words and those encouragements. Um, because as a woman and as a Native woman, um, you know, it is hard sometimes to navigate and to operate in those spaces that, you know, um, I guess society um, sometimes says that you shouldn't be in. And so um, it's definitely a struggle at times. And I think if you look at the bigger picture and where we're trying to go and what we're trying to create um, for all little Native American girls, I think is, is where you continue to, to strive for. And, and not just even, you know, Native girls, but just girls in general. Um, I think is where I continue to to find the strength to to operate and to push those those doors down and, and create those seats at the table has always been my big thing. Moving into our project that we're working on, so we're working on a project for Native American Heritage Month. And again, I know we just celebrated Indigenous Peoples Day, and so moving into this month, although every day is Native American Peoples Day or Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, so really look into to work with a lot of sports administrators that are Native American um, and really work on presentation, uh, representation and voice. And so, again, you're working with us as well. Brent is working with us at a high school. And so there's a number of us on there that really want to just tell this story um, and show the significance of Native American in athletics and not just, you know, you know, not just athletes, but sports administrators, um, sports leaders. And so really just trying to push the narrative and share that knowledge. Um, of those people that um, are doing things, I guess, more from behind the scenes. And so that that way um, we can continue to create that voice and build on that as we move in um, to, the, to the year. Absolutely. I know. I was so excited when you reached out to me and I, I, I've met, you know, two, two Native folks and in, in in, um, sports admin just this year, just this fall. And I'm just like, man, we're coming for, you know, we're coming for it. And I love it. And I, and I love, we have to hold it down for the ladies too, because it's, like, it's a lot of dudes. So we have to, we have to hold it down for the ladies. So, um, so Nicole, thank you so much for, for your time. This is gonna, um, this has really been really great. And I know, um, there's more people that, you know, need to hear your story. I'm so glad to be able to share it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor um, and a privilege to come on here. And again, it's always great visiting with you. Um, I know we don't get to talk as often with everything that we're doing, but it's so kind of telekinetic, you know, we have to, we kind of, we are kind of on the, the same, same path. And I know it's like, we both are, are busy gals, but we got, we got a lot of common commonalities and I just, I love what you're doing and look forward to our future collaborations. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you for always being caring and checking on me as well as when my grandmother passed away. I can't say thank you enough just knowing there's other people out there supporting and praying for you and, and sending good medicine. And so I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Gotta be here for each other. So yeah. you enjoy the rest of your day. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you so much. Bye.